Welcome to the cemetery. I'm former gravedigger Nathan Barnett from spooky old New England, and you're listening to Grave Stories. You know, I should say welcome to the closet, because that's what I'm sitting in. I'm sitting in a closet, not a cemetery. I guess it sounds spookier when I say cemetery. It's a hypothetical cemetery. Because I used to be a grave digger. What I really should do is record this from cemeteries. That would make it a lot cooler. Probably be a bigger podcast. Get a bigger audience. You gotta hear this podcast. This guy records it from a cemetery. It's spooky. I might actually do that. Next month in October, I think I might go do some of my special episodes. I'll sneak into the cemetery that I know how to get into. Gotta climb one barbed wire fence. It's pretty easy. I did cut myself last, was it two years ago that I did that? I did that on live streams and I did get I did get bloody and I did hide from the police. If anyone is in here who heard that, thank you for sticking around for so long. Or who watched that I should say. I'm not gonna do a long intro. Just gonna get right to the stories. We got a listener story that I will read and then we will read some spooky stories from Hannah J. Tidy's book called Ghost Stories. Real stories, real stories from real people. Maybe I'll do one from Nantucket Ghosts as well. Maybe I'll do one of each. I'm not sure, but in a few seconds you'll hear what the heck I'm going to do. But either way, there'll be spooky real-life accounts from real people. Thanks to everyone who's been listening. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for the Patreon support. Thank you, everyone who does keep this podcast going. That is how I pay my bills. Keeps me putting this stuff out. I don't make any money off this podcast. I'm just doing it because I love it and it's fun. So if you are able to support, I love you. I will always love you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Now let's go listen to a message from our non-paying sponsor. Hallmark's ready for Halloween. And you know, it's the strangest thing. Everybody's wild about new scratch and sniff stickers in special trick-or-treat packages. And they're dying to take home these cuddly pumpkin bean bags. And these party decorations are so popular, they seem to just disappear. So come to Hallmark, the Halloween store. <laughs> We're waiting for you. Thank you very much, sponsor. I would say I wouldn't be here without you, but I'd be lying. I am here without you. You don't pay me because you're 30 years old. You're a 30-year-old ad. I love those commercial breaks. Gotta find some new ones. I'm running out. I got 44 old commercials, and I don't love all of them. I gotta find some real gems. I'm also gonna, after Halloween, after October, I'm gonna stop doing... It's not going to be only spooky commercials. I'm doing Halloween-themed as I start this podcast off. But then we're going to get into some other ones. We're going to have all sorts of old commercials playing here. Until uh, I get a big sponsor who says, you can't do that anymore. We're giving you real money. Someday I'll get a brand attached. Someday maybe I'll get a Spotify deal. Anybody at Spotify? Anybody work at Spotify? Want to make me an exclusive podcast? I could really use that. I could use some actual cash. (laughs) All right, here we go. We got a listener story from one of the greatest subscribers and listeners that I have, Piper G. Piper G wrote this on my private Discord. Uh, They're a Patreon member, so thank you for being a Patreon member, and thank you for telling me your story. It goes like this. I used to run a dog and cat kennel with my cousin. We had a lot of weird things happen there. It was a very old building, and when we first took over the place, we heard a few stories about things going wrong there in the past. I have heard that sometimes hauntings kick up when you start changing and doing work on a place, and maybe that is true. 
It was very much in disrepair when we took over and had a lot of work done. Shortly after that, small things would happen. We would come in to find things in slightly different places than we thought we had left them. We had dogs that would become very calm suddenly, start barking and staring in one spot where it seemed to be nothing there. I would be cleaning the kennel by myself with all the dogs calm and quiet and I would hear my name being called when I was the only one on the property. Piper, loud and urgent, and other times, Piper, soft, like it was being whispered in my ear. Oh my gosh, okay, that's crazy. That's crazy. When it was called loudly, immediately after the dogs would start barking, when nothing else had happened, then calm themselves back down fairly quickly. There was an area where we kept the dog food and I would often hear footsteps and rustling like another person came in and was working over there. Yet I would look to see who it was and nobody would be there. Once in a while, the noises over there wouldn't stop right away, even though I couldn't see anyone. One day, my cousin and I were sitting outside letting a dog run around and get some exercise and playtime when we heard, Hello? Very loud and clear. We both heard it, so we thought maybe a client didn't ring the bell, but instead started wandering around. So we both jumped up and ran back into the dog kennel, saw no one, and ran into to check the building, and saw still no one, and there were no cars in the parking lot. A week or so after, a co-worker said that she heard a rustling in the same area. We kept the dog food. But this time, she saw an old man in overalls and muck boots, clear as day. Whoa. She started walking over there saying, Sir, excuse me. But as she got closer and closer, he kind of smudged out and disappeared. What? It had been quiet for a while after that. Back to the early stuff, occasionally happening. I had to leave for a while to take care of my mom after a car accident. While I was gone, my cousin hired a woman to fill in for me. When I got back, I was talking to my cousin and a longtime co-worker about her. They were telling me they didn't like the way she treated the dogs and cats. Our groomer suspected her of stealing from her. She was rude, etc., etc. My cousin was asking me if I would be around full-time because she wanted to let her go. I started to say that, yes, I would be back managing full-time. When this woman's keys and cigarettes and lighter flew across the room from the shelf they were on. <gasps> Oh my gosh, I got incredible chills right there. That means the lady was a ghost and she was listening and they didn't like that and they threw the keys. Oh my gosh, I still have goosebumps, like major. This is probably some of the greatest goosebumps I've ever had. That was a perfect image in my head. That is so scary. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. You definitely saw a ghost. It was a ghost haunting you. Things were going, this is, this is like guaranteed. There's no doubt about this story. We took this as a ghost putting in his vote and fired her. Wow. Someone told me about the strange happening suggested we smudge with Sage. She came in and did it for us, and we never had another experience. Coincidence? What do you think? Um, no, definitely not. I don't think so. I think it was guaranteed that Sage saved your lives. That Sage closed the portal to the other dimension, the other realm. I don't know much about Sage and all that, but I've heard that if you do that. I wonder what the... Isn't that crazy? Think of this. This is what I'm thinking. Imagine we're on a planet. We're basically ants. We're bugs. We don't understand what's really going on around here. We think we're smart, but we don't know. Compared to bugs, we know a little bit more, but we really don't know what's going on. But that means the things on this planet... I think of it like this. Like, we're able to eat the plants. Things are here for us to use. The tools are here to use. So we're able to eat the carrots, eat the apples. That's part of the whole system the sage is probably another thing it's like minecraft when you think about it like you get these things to do to control 
the situation. The sage opens and closes portals. I mean, maybe it closes portals. If, I'm just being super, super, super hypothetical. But like, if that was, if we're going with the thinking of that's true and that works, sage does that. What other thing does what? If you combine two plants and burn them together, can you make some sort of a, a hovering flotation device? Can you open a window into another dimension? Like, probably. <laughs> I would think so. I hope so. I really want that to be true. But that's just kind of cool to think. Imagine this universe was more magical than we thought. If we're thinking super logically and it's like the most magic you have is like a tree makes a house or water keeps you alive. But what if it's crazier than that? I think Piper G just confirmed that there is some serious weird stuff going on in this universe. Ghosts are real. Confirmed. Piper G, thank you for confirming it. That was a good story. I'm very happy with that. Thank you, Piper, for writing that out and letting me stumble through it. That was great. All right. Now let's get to the books. Let's read some real ghost stories from unknown people after another commercial break. My big friend, I love the big taste of chocolate in this little Hershey's kiss. <laughs> Hershey's Kisses, the little kiss with the big taste. Thank you very much, sponsor. I mean, I honestly can't believe how many sponsors I have. I think I'm the most heavily supported podcast in the world. I mean, how many different commercials do you hear on a podcast? Usually you just hear a $1,000 Shave Club or NordVPN commercials. Come on. I got everybody. I got the all-stars. They don't pay me, but I still got them. Must count for something. You know what else counts for something? The voice message I got from listener Ethan. Ethan, thank you for sending me a voice message on the Anchor app. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Ethan told me that they are a fan of my single take pizza video, my pizza delivery guy video. Thank you for watching my videos. I appreciate it. And Ethan also said that they have psychic abilities. I enjoyed listening to your voice memo. You're a cool dude. I hope you keep discovering more of your abilities and your psychic powers. Please, I'm begging you, send me another one and tell me if this podcast will be a huge hit. I need to know. <sighs> All right, time to read the story. So this story is from Hannah J. Tidy's book called Ghost Stories. It's a collection of ghost stories from people and stories and accounts from situations on this planet. And this story is actually from Massachusetts, the state I'm from, the place I used to grave dig. Now I'm safe out in California, hiding from the cemetery. Never want to go back there. Never want to dig holes again. But I sure will read stories from Massachusetts. Forget what town this is in. I skimmed through it. Oh, it's Taunton. It's the Taunton State Hospital. It's the mental institution. And this is a place that people used to always talk about sneaking into. I used to always have friends be like, let's go to the Taunton Mental Institution and try to sneak in and sneak around there at night. So I never did it. But also there's another one. What was the mental? Oh, it was like Dover. It's near Dover. There's like a mental institution somewhere up going towards like Wellesley in Boston. My friends used to always sneak over at, I think it was that one. Maybe it was this Taunton one. I don't know. But let's, let's get into this one. The story is called To Raise the Devil. And remember, this is real stuff. So I don't know who's telling this account. Or maybe it's just factual information about a lot of things that happened at this mental institution. 
Either way, we're going to find out in a second, so here we go. Numerous ghost stories are about sightings of single apparitions whose tales begin with some horrible or traumatic event, resulting in a tragic end, souls confined to the location where the vile crimes took place. But when a site is subject to the constant visitation of more than a single spirit, then that story would be indeed a horrifying haunting. Asylums have always been sites of hauntings, and for good reason. During early times, these places treated as the graveyard for the mentally ill. During the pre-dawn of modern medicine and enlightened interpretations of psychology, the insane and mentally disturbed were discarded by their families and sent to faraway institutions. The doctors at these institutions had a free hand with performing horrific experiments on these patients, all in the dubious name of science. Little wonder than the ghosts of the hundreds of disturbed innocents who were tortured and killed haunt many of these old asylums. Of these many asylums, the Taunton State Hospital, located in Massachusetts, was one of the most horrific places where the devil himself was said to have walked through the halls. Oh boy. Oh boy, this is going to be good. The hospital opened in 1854. It was formerly called the State Lunatic Hospital in Taunton and served as the second state asylum. Ironically, it was built pre-specifications of a doctor named Thomas Kirkbride, who advocated treating all mentally ill patients with care and compassion. They could be best advised through positivity and good feelings, not by shunning them or fearing them as most people were inclined to do. The building of the hospital followed his designs, including a large campus of patients to wander around with recreation rooms and comfortable bedrooms. The patients were supposed to have sunlight, fresh air, good food, and plenty of space to move around. It had bridgeways to keep the wards connected to the hospital's infirmary wing. Infirmary, infirmary wing. Wow, that's a weird thing to say. I mean, everything's weird for me to say with my dumb lips. The hospital was aesthetically beautiful and quite pleasing to the eye. The outer beauty, however, could not hide the inner ugliness that was taking place in its hallowed halls. Oh boy. So it doesn't sound like they're following this guy's protocol. Its history is bloody, murderous, and painful. Thousands of patients tortured and several staff members over the years have reported stories of being victims themselves of some paranormal phenomenon. <sighs> Baby. Taunton itself hosted several infamous people within its halls. Thomas Hubbard Sumner, the inventor of the Sumner line, was one such patient who spent his last days in the hospital. Convicted serial killer Jane Topin was also sentenced to her life, and her story is a quite chilling tale. Topin, who lost her mother when she was just a child, was raised by her father, who was an alcoholic and eccentric madman nicknamed Kelly the Crack. He left his two daughters at the Boston Female Asylum and vanished. Jane, adopted as the servant of a well-to-do Topin family, took their last name. As she grew up and trained to be a nurse, she started using her patients as her guinea pigs, dosing them with various drugs such as morphine and atropine. She claimed that the sight of her patients when they were close to death aroused her sexually. Ew. She would dose them, get into bed with them, and hold them close as they passed away. Oh my god, this lady is a psycho. She later moved back to her hometown where she killed her foster sister as well as attempted to seduce her widowed brother-in-law after the gruesome fact. With her foster sister dead, she tried to convince her sister's husband that she loved him in poisoning him, only to nurse him back to health. <sighs> My God, this lady is insane. She also poisoned herself to gain sympathy for him. These attempts to get her brother-in-law's attention did not work, and he sent her away from their home. 
Investigations of her previous murders led to her arrest, where she confessed to having killed more than 30 people. Wow. They sentenced Jane to life at the Taunton State Asylum. Her ghost, no doubt, still haunts the halls, drawing people closer to death and holding them tight as they pass into the void. That This is crazy. This is a good story. It's depressing, but, like, not depressing enough. It's spooky. Because it's, it's weird. Isn't that strange? It's still demented and messed up. These are people that still died. If it was, like, 2015, it would make me a lot more sad. But since this is, like, old time, I mean, I think it's old time. It's, oh, yeah, 1854. Okay, so for, isn't that weird how, like, even visually and story-wise, if you hear something or see something, when something is, like, old, like, Jack the Ripper seems less scary than the pervert from 2018 who's been killing people in a minivan. It's, it's, a, it's a separation. The years definitely soften the blow of the insanity. I don't like that. But for some reason, this is not making me super morbid and bummed out, which murder stuff always does. I don't like too much true crime stuff, but you true crime people, you're getting a good dose here. This is probably as deep into true crime as I'm going to get. All right, let's continue. Madness, violence, and murder ran rampant within the halls of Taunton. While many patients housed within a facility were genuinely disturbed, what was far more frightening were the secret activities of the doctors and staff members themselves at Taunton. According to local legend, Taunton was the site of cult activity and devil worship. Oh gosh, this is now, now this is going to get spooky. Rumors of patients routinely sacrificed to Satan and other demons. Staff members allegedly brought the most helpless of patients down to the basement to be offered to the Dark Lord as sacrificial lambs. This, this, is, this is a movie. This whole story is a movie. There needs to be a movie made on the Taunton Insane Asylum if there hasn't already been. Some patients, after having heard the rumors of what transpired below, the hospital refused to be brought down to the basement. Because of this, they lost their outside privileges. What exactly happened in the basement? We can only speculate. A vast number of staff members report that the basement remains icy cold even in the middle of summer. The numerous cold spots move throughout the entire hospital. I'm getting chills now. Even today, strange markings in blood cover the walls of the basement where these rumored murder rituals took place. No doubt, possibly hundreds of lost souls are still trapped within these haunted corridors, trying to reach out in the only way they know how. One staff member decided he would like to see the truth for himself. He walked down the length of the stairs. He stopped on the final step, unable to move further. Rooted to the spot, he described what could only be a paranormal experience. As he closed his eyes, he felt every single case of torture and pain that each of the tormented souls trapped within the hospital went through. Oh my God. He raced back upstairs and resigned from his job that very day. Oh my gosh, that's the smartest person. I would have done the same thing. Even now, he has trouble explaining what he saw and went through and remains traumatized by his experience. Well, no kidding. You know what that makes me think? That makes me think the, the ghosts were like, oh my God, someone's here. You must save us. So they like went into him and showed him what they experienced like Powder did in that movie after that deer was shot. And they put into him all the pain so he would maybe like go report it and free their souls. But he just ran away. He's supposed to save these people, man. Open that portal, let them out. Continuing on, the hospital isn't the only thing that haunts the people of Massachusetts. Well, no kidding, Massachusetts is like the most haunted state in the universe. I mean, Salem, hello, come on. 
the woods that surround it are just as terrifying. Allegedly, satanic rituals have taken place there as well. People have reported hearings of the groaning moans, desperate cries, and anguished calls for help at night. Banging noises are daily occurrence, as are the flashing lights and strange cold drafts. Some of the later staff reported seeing a man in white walking around the corridors of the third floor. He flickers in and out of visibility, becoming physical, then vanishing, coming and going as he wishes. Sometimes he is simply a shadow that crawls across the wall in a slow, terrifying manner, as though looking for something. <laughs> Other times he becomes a solid figure, striding across the hallway in rage. The apparition is always a male, but no one has ever seen his full face. Residents have reported that he stands in the corner of their rooms and watches them silently. Oh, God. Switch on the lights and he vanishes. His face always hidden in the shadows. I mean, that could just be people's imaginations. I need more hard facts. I mean, I'm into it. I think it's cool and spooky. And I'm sure he's there. But come on. Everyone's thinking about this guy as they're there. So obviously they're going to be imagining he's in front of them. Mm, I don't fully buy that one. Could he be one of the many victims who was tortured and killed at Taunton? <laughs> See, there's too much. There's too much what if here. Or is he the devil himself? No, if it was the devil himself, he'd be doing way. He'd be like straight up in your face in daylight, twelve o'clock noon outside, poking your eyes out. Did the doctors, through their heinous acts of brutality and murder, actually manage to raise Satan himself? Is the victim or perpetrator, or perhaps even both? We can only speculate. <laughs> yeah, and you're doing a lot of it, book. Come on, get to the facts. I need facts. I need spooky, spooky facts. The cemetery is also quite a haunting site. Yeah, now we're talking. This is my territory. One resident report. This is actually da down the street from the cemetery I worked at. Massachusetts isn't very big. Taunton is not very far from Natick. I worked in Natick. I wonder if the ghosts visit different graveyards. I'm trying to think right now if there's any ghost stuff that happened to me. I don't really remember anything spooky happening there. Except for dropping the people in the holes. That was spooky in itself, but I just had a fox that visited me all the time. This is cool. It was a cool fox. It would just sit there and watch me cut grass. Just stare at me. It was my friend. He could have been a ghost. Maybe it was a ghost who took the shape of a fox. I like that. That's cool. I'm going to go with that. Ghost fox. You're my friend. I need some fan art. Can anyone do some fan art of me at the cemetery with my shovel or pickaxe and my ghost fox friend? sitting with me that'd be really cool i love you forever if you do that the cemetery is also quite a haunting site one resident reports a chilling story a patient managed to escape the halls of taunton he ran out of the facility but tired quickly and unable to run any further he decided to wait the night out in the graveyard it seemed to be a good idea because no one would think of looking for him within the grounds of the hospital itself as he crouched near a tombstone he felt the cold icy grip of a hand holding his shoulder tight enough to bruise it <gasps> Thinking someone captured him, he threw his arms up, turning around to face his captor, only to see that there was no one behind him. <gasps> a second later, a whisper murmured into his ear, Leave. Oh, baby. It seemed, the ghost didn't say, oh, baby. I said that. It repeated itself again and again and again. Panic and terrified, the man ran back into the hospital. Oh, bad choice, dude. Where he spent the rest of his days. Oh, gosh, the ghost scared him. The ghost is trying to tell you to get away, man. Where both the ghostly hand and the disembodied voice of the ghost attempting to warn him to escape the halls of Taunton. Yeah, duh. Or was it the devil himself trying to frighten him and the man into staying? No. One can only wonder. It was definitely someone who died in the basement. It was like, oh, my God, dude, get out. You're out of here. Leave. 
That guy's a moron. Doors slam, lights flash, and icy chill occur within the rooms of Taunton at any given time. The shadows dance, but not in a pleasant manner. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> the silhouettes speak of unimaginable horror, of the hundreds of innocent whose bloodshed in an attempt to bring the devil to life within the halls of Taunton. It is not surprising that this has become the most haunted place in the United States of America. Wait, really, is it? I thought the Queen Mary was the most haunted place in America. A boat I've been to many times. If you guys want to see it, look on my YouTube channel, my Nathan YouTube channel. Uh, we've been on this boat a ton. We did a live stream on it. There's a YouTube channel called Beyond Worlds that I do with my friends, uh, Tom and Chris. Tom, who also has a podcast, you should check out his podcast. It's called Unbelievable Mysteries. I'm on it like all the time. He does real cool stories about unsolved mysteries, basically. Check it out. But Beyond Worlds, we did a live stream from the Queen Mary and it was really fun and then i have like a shorter like a vlog style video with me and my friend colleen we stayed on the queen mary for the first time for my first time staying on it and we stayed right next to the super haunted room um you should look it up you should watch it they think you would enjoy it the i always thought the queen mary was the most haunted place in america if anyone does think there's another place that's the most haunted or have heard any of stories about the most haunted places that's something i'd like to do as an episode i'd like to do the most haunted places and read some stories from each place maybe i can do that for an october episode so please leave a voice comment for me uh on anchor on the anchor app or on the anchor website and i can add your voice comment into the episode and i can use your advice to find some new stories but they're saying in this book that taunton is the most haunted i mean i wouldn't be surprised new england is incredibly haunted Taunton State Hospital, supposedly a sanctuary for the mentally disturbed, where they might find peace of mind and solace of spirit became something else. The doctors meant to be their caretakers turned into their captors as they used them as sacrificial lambs for slaughter, cutting into them and offering them up as bait for their sat satanic rituals. Whether it was psychotic criminals like Jane Toppin or the innocent victims whose families shipped them off to Taunton, thousands of trapped souls within the halls to this day their souls have not found a way out of the mental institution. They remain imprisoned long after their bodies have died and rot under the ground. That's the end of that one. Not bad. Kind of just factual stuff without too many dates and records, it seems. I guess it's just sort of a summary of the place. Uh, that was an okay one. Um, I liked it. But let's keep moving on. Let's do another one. Maybe we'll get a real super good one in the next story. Well, let's first, let's do a sponsored break. They are the children of the corn. They must obey he who walks among the rows. And they live in a world where adults are not allowed to live. Children of the corn. A new kind of nightmare. An adult nightmare. Stephen King's Children of the Corn. Rated R. Coming Friday. Check local newspapers for theaters and showtimes. Welcome back, everyone. Time to jump into the final story of the episode. This one is another story from Hannah J. Tidy's Ghost Stories, another true account or, I guess, historical document. Not really sure how, what these are about. I don't read them beforehand because I like to have good reactions and be surprised and spooked uh, as I read. So this one is called The Evil Urzesbit. Erzesbit Bathor? What? <laughs> this is how it's spelled. E-R-Z-S-E-B-E-T. Bathor is the second word. Erzebit 
Bathor. The evil Urzebit Bathor. There we go. Only took me 10 minutes. Letters are hard. All right. Here we go. You probably remember hearing the story of Snow White for the first time when you were a small child. Most likely, if you grew up in the United States, the Disney version of the story is the one that stands out in your mind. In it, Snow White becomes the subject of envy by a jealous queen who wishes to be the most beautiful woman in the kingdom. But as the queen's magic mirror informs her, this is not the case, as Snow White is the most beautiful in the land. The queen promptly decides to have her slaughtered immediately. The huntsman that is supposed to kill poor Snow White takes pity on her instead and lets her escape unharmed. Snow White then meets seven dwarves who help her on her journey, and in the end, she is sweetly united with her Prince Charming. A typically happy ending for a rosy Disney story made for the movies. However, the modern movie, Snow White and the Huntsman, from 2012, may be closer to the true origins of the fairy tale. The queen depicted here as Queen Ravina is obsessed with youth and beauty, to the point where she bathes in young girl's virgin blood to retain her astonishing beauty, Ew! Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> That's demented. This thought might sound far-fetched and too gruesome to be accurate, but I assure you, the Blood Queen existed in real life. Whoa, wait, for real? Oh my gosh, this is real? I thought they were just giving us like an example and Snow White was just like gonna set up some weird thing. This is real? This is based on real life? Dude, okay, this is going to be morbid. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this one. When the Brothers Grimm wrote down the story for Snow White back in 1812 in their first collection of Grimm's fairy tales, the story of a real blood queen was already deeply ingrained in the local legends of Upper Hungary, now known as modern-day Slovakia. A diabolical and noble-born woman named Countess Ezerbit Bathory de Esed, 1560-1614, walked the earth for 54 short years. During her reign of terror and evil, Elizabeth would perform a horrendous amount of bloodshed to the point of holding the Guinness World Record of the most prolific female serial killer, with an estimated number of over 650 murders to her name. Are you kidding me? Oh my god! I mean, that's like more murders than anyone in the history of murders. Why the female? Guinness World... First of all, why is there a Guinness World Record? You shouldn't be awarding that in any way because that's probably going to motivate some people. Why is Guinness going, this guy killed the most? That's You shouldn't do that. That seems like against like all social standards and human existence. Like that, Why are you doing that? But also, why are you saying the most kills by a, a female? Has someone killed more people than 650 people? For real? This is insane to me. As you can tell, I do not know much about true crime. I don't know why this podcast is even under the true crime. I just couldn't find a better category in the podcast categories for this podcast. So it's in true crime. And apparently this episode is deep true crime. The last story in this one are demented. Okay, I'm continuing on now. I'm so sorry. This is I'm probably going to stop a lot because I'm going to be just baffled and blown away and depressed by these facts. I know you were thinking, but wait, this is a real woman what does this story have to do with ghosts? Oh my gosh, that's actually what I was thinking earlier. That's funny. Just be patient and wait. The story is talking to me. Just be patient and wait and see. Let's start with the gory story from the very beginning, and you will find out how ghostly and otherworldly this bloody piece of history truly is. Wow, man, this is bonkers. Ezerbit, or Elizabeth, was born in the town of 
this is gonna be hard. Nyerbader. <laughs> Nyerbader. In eastern Hungary, she was part of the local aristocracy, as she was the niece of the Hungarian nobleman Stephen Bathory, king of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, and the prince of Transylvania. Ooh, spooky. I'm Lithuanian. Maybe she's my great-grandmother. As a privileged member of the nobility, Elizabeth grew up to be quite the spoiled child, always given whatever she wanted and everything that her heart had desired. Perhaps it was because of this background growing up that made Elizabeth feel that she deserved anything that she could ever want, no matter what the cost or effect was. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happens to people. I know firsthand. The lines between good and evil blurred with all of the indulgences <laughs> afforded her from such a young age. It indeed can't be said her future odd behavior grew out of misfortune in her early childhood development. Elizabeth was engaged at the tender age of 11 years old. Ew! What? And married her fiancé, Ferenc Nadasti, when she turned 15. Oh my god, this is demented. The 1500s were rotten. Because she had a more prominent social standing than her new husband, she did not change her name and remained Elizabeth Bathory. Ferenc Nadasti would go on to become the leader of the Hungarian army and spent most of his time away on battles, and eventually he would become a war hero. This situation left Elizabeth home alone at their shared household in Savar Sigeti Castle in the Little Carpathians near Trenson for very long periods, ultimately left to her own devices. On the surface, Elizabeth Bathory appeared to be the devoted wife of a war hero, a mother to numerous children, a dutiful manager of Nadasti's business affairs and estates, and also a social benefactor to the nearby townspeople. The people in the kingdom soon began to suspect horrendous evil doings happening in Sedgti Castle. I'm not sure if that's how you say it, but that's how I'm going to say it's spelled, Sedgti. As more and more young female servants who lured to Bathory Castle with promises of well-paid work as maidservants seemed to vanish into thin air. Between the years of 1602 and 1604, rumors of demonic atrocities against innocent young women of Elizabeth Bathory's household began to emerge. The news spread like wildfire in the kingdom. A courageous Lutheran minister by the name of Istvan Magyari filed former complaints against her publicly and also at the authorized court in Vienna. Finally, around 1610, King Matthias II assigned Georgi Thurzo the Palatine of Hungary, or the highest-ranking official in the Kingdom of Hungary, to lead an investigation of the alleged bloody affairs of Elizabeth at Sedgti Castle in Sarvar. The ongoing investigation and collection of evidence against Elizabeth Bathory between 1610 and 1611 yielded testimonies from over 300 witnesses revealing horrible actions done by Bathory. Elizabeth started killing girls who were adolescent daughters of the local peasants, but her murderous greed broadened to include the young virgins and daughters of lesser gentry who were sent to Elizabeth's female quarters at the castle of Sarvar to learn court etiquette. Like the investigators, led by Georgi Thurzo himself, arrived at Sedgti Castle in Sarvar on December 30th, 1610. They were horrified to find Countess Elizabeth in the very act of torturing numerous young girls, with others locked up in the castle awaiting their turn for torture and eventual gruesome death at the hands of the Blood Queen. The true gruesomeness of all her illicit actions became apparent. Hundreds of witnesses stepped forward to indict her, bringing Elizabeth Bathory to justice. Not only had these demonic acts occurred in Sedgti Castle in Savar, but also the Countess's properties in Nemetkurserter Pazsoni, known as Bratislava now. 
and even Vienna. She had abducted, captured, tortured, bled, and also eaten body parts of hundreds of innocent young women. <gasps> Dang. Some of the torturous blood-extracting methods included sticking her victims with pins and needles and even smearing with honey to be attacked by swarms of bees and ants. One girl also attested that Elizabeth cut off parts of her body, boiled them, and forced her cat to eat her flesh. Ugh. But what exactly was the real motivation of the Countess for the heinous acts? The most popular theory at the time was that she sought immortality and never-fading beauty. Blood is life, after all, and through its continuous flow and consumption, the Blood Queen chose to ingest gallons of this fresh life force from innocent victims into her own body. Some even say she regularly bathed in gallons of warm blood freshly obtained by her accomplices who killed the victims and siphoned the blood into the bathing chambers for the preservation of her youthful looks and beautiful skin. The price was too large for Countess Elizabeth Bathory to pay to obtain the keys to immortality. Bathing in the blood of young virgins would keep her young and give her eternal life. Her appetite had become insatiable. An extreme bloodlust had taken over her world until the day she died while she was imprisoned in solitary confinement in Sedgety Castle on August 21st, 1614. A guard was the one who found Elizabeth dead in her room while under house arrest. They buried her in the church of Sedgety, but because of public uproar over her body laying to rest in the holy grounds, she was unearthed and buried again in her birth home of Esed, where she laid to rest in the Bathory family crypt. But in the present time, the location of her body is mostly unknown. Many speculate that she still walks the world today, even if only as a ghost. Perhaps she is merely waiting for the opportune time to strike again. Does our blood run cold, thinking of who her next victim might be? Dun dun dun, the end. Wow, that's insane. I didn't know that. That's demented. Uh, this episode was apparently an actual true crime episode, everyone. Wow, I was expecting to read about spooky ghosts flushing people's toilets but nope i got demented demented stories of real life <laughs> i hope you guys liked this episode it was very interesting i mean it's so sad and demented and i hate it but if anything it was interesting and now i'm educated that the world is demented mm. and disney is profiting off of many girls deaths <laughs> When you think about it, like the Grimm guys took that real life thing and turned it into a story and then Disney took that again and made it even more nice. It's kind of crazy. Like, what is Wally -E based on? <laughs> Wally -E actually is based on what's really going on in the world, in my opinion. The real sad truth about people being lazy and just being on the Internet all the time and staring at glowing boxes, getting Amazon delivery, Uber Eats all the time. I mean, that's the Wally -E right there. Wow. This is crazy. Well, that was two stories from the book by Hannah J. Tidy. It's called Ghost Stories. You guys should check it out. You guys should get it. I'm going to read some stories from next week's next week episode. I think I'm going to go back to Nantucket Ghosts, my personal favorite ghost story book. Uh, I'm going to try to read. I think I'm going to read my favorite story in the next episode from that book. I'm going to find what one it was. I can't remember. It was just a, some lady that was cleaning a empty house in the off season, a house that this woman owned and like all this really crazy stuff happened to her when she was like cleaning the house this ghost was like straight up messing with her it's pretty cool so yeah thanks for listening everyone this is grave stories if you're enjoying it please rate it on apple if you're listening on apple even if you don't listen on apple if you don't mind going to the apple podcast and just rating it saying 
blah, blah, blah. Say anything you want, but give it a rating if you're enjoying it. Uh, ratings on Apple help me. Uh, listening wherever, sharing with your friends who like these podcasts. I'm getting this off the ground. This is very new. I have a very, very small audience. If you're new and you don't know who I am, my name is Nathan Barnett. I do physical comedy normally, and I really like ghost stories, real-life ghost stories. I was a former grave digger in Massachusetts, and now I'm reading grave stories to you guys. So thank you for listening, everyone. I really appreciate it, and I will talk to you next week. Goodbye.